All right, what's up, everybody? Going to be getting started here for the day. And so uh, we're going to be talking about the love of Jesus Christ, right? So uh, if you imagine your life <clears throat> as a cup of clean water, right? It's, it's clean water. It's good, right? People drink it. We love it. In fact, you know, water pretty much provides life for all existence, right? There's uh, no animal or insect that I know of that uh, can survive without water, right? Or the product of water, right? No ve vegetation, right? Well, plants need water, everything dies, right? So if you imagine uh, the usefulness, the incredibleness of water, right? <clears throat> How great it is for all creation, right? And you imagine that as a pure life, a, li a righteous life, a cup kept holy for God, a person, a man or a woman who chooses to surrender their free will, to lay down sinful practices, etc., and keep themselves pure for God. Now, <clears throat> you offer this cup of pure water or a, let's say a bottle of water to people, right? They say, oh yeah, of course I'll take a bottle of water. It's hot out today, right? Very, very, very simple uh scenario right and here's the catch right that pure water will go out into the world and it will produce a crop a harvest an abundant harvest right people will want to work with the water right they'll they'll want you around they'll want god's temple around they'll want the light of god in their lives right and that is pretty pretty standard right now, here's the thing. For each sin that you commit, imagine if you're taking this cup of water and you're taking a little bit of dirt and, <clears throat> and sprinkling it in the water. Now, at the first pinch of dirt, right, uh, people aren't going to say, ah, yuck, I won't drink that, if they're really thirsty, right? They'll say, well, I'll still drink it, right? But after a while, after too many pinches, right, the water becomes so muddied, so polluted that people will not drink it. They will not associate with it. And so there is uh, verses of in the Bible, right? Core of Christianity is love, right? And the realms of divine grace, right? I wanted to uh, go a little deeper into the list of merits right but the list of merits that are contained that are possessed by christians and that we focus on that we uh center our lives around uh is vast right because you know there's love there's compassion there's mercy there's kind speaking there's edification building each other up knowledge wisdom etc 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 and the list goes on and on and on right uh genuine caring Anyways, but what I'm saying is that after so long, right, uh, of mud, right, people who don't care about, people who are opposite to this, and very a very interesting tool as you read the Bible is to flip the verses, right? King David says, uh, sit, at my, sit with me at my, uh, God says to King David, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And David is correct when that is a promise of God. And it will come to pass if you hold true to your Christian faith, if you hold true to your covenant. However, right, the opposite of that 
is don't, right? Some, it would be something like, don't sit with God and your enemies will make you a footstool for their feet. And this is also correct. So it is an extremely useful tool as you walk through the Bible to understand that when God is saying, you know, have the courage, right, uh, to stand up for the orphan. Opposite of that is don't care for the orphan at all, right? And interestingly enough, in a very, uh, you know, financially successful cities, this is exactly what you see happening sometimes, right? When uh, mankind is poor, when they're struggling, when they are suffering, right, for X, Y, Z. And uh, let me finish the thought, and then I'll jump into another uh, thought train there. But when they're struggling, right, God says care about them, you know. Keep an open eye. You might not be able to do everything, right? You may, may not be able to, you know, walk up to them and say, hey, man, I'm going to put you in an apartment. I'm going to get you a job. I'm going to save your life, right? But as one individual, we may not be able to do this out of love, out of caring, out of kindness, out of compassion. But as a church, we can. And so this is where the logic comes from working together, uh, pooling, pooling our tithe money into something that's actually more long-term saving, more long-term building, right, for other individuals, as opposed to the sort of Band-Aid Christianity where you walk up and you buy them a meal and they're hungry six hours later and you haven't really done anything for them, right? And so I'm not saying that that's bad, right? Sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes, right, that's all you need to do. And God will take that little spark of Christian outreach that little spark of christian benevolence and blow on it into a bonfire that perhaps motivates that person but more oftentimes than not right uh people should be seeking to do more long-term long-term standing long-term benefiting things to do with their tithe money right and so uh this sort of mentality where there is uh, a self commitment, right? A choice that we, as our own personages, as our, as out of, in our own lives, right? What we choose to do with our lives, right? We are choosing to propagate generosity. We are choosing to follow the ways of God. And it's not, uh, if you ever go to a church, right? I went to this one church and I was, uh, I was, uh, and it is uh, the Stirring Church in uh, Redding, California. And I went to this church, and first thing the guy says, <laughs> opens his mouth. One of the preachers, like, puts his hand on his head and goes, oh, and then introduces the next guy. And the next guy walks up and he says, I don't know if you people know this, but 10% in the Bible for tithe, 10%, that's the minimum. Well, it's this is not accurate, right? 10% is both the minimum and the maximum, right? But if you don't have 10%, right, then you are not to tithe 10%. Let me make this clear, right? I don't have tithe money this month to pay my rent. God understands if you can't pay your tithe this month because you have to uh, keep a roof over the head of your family, right? But when God blesses you, right, try, sincerely try to give a little bit back, right? And uh, there, this is, it's very useful and it's a very useful indicator 
uh, to a lot of different entities, right? Where your values lie, right? If I say God says tithe 10% and um, uh, in, in my heart as a man or a woman, right? You say, I'm not giving 10%. I, I love money. Well, God's word has told you to give 10%. And you're saying no. You're saying no, not to a book. You're saying no to God, right? And so when it's a useful tool, tithing, to keep money second or third or fourth or fifth in your life and make sure that money doesn't become an idol to you, right? But it's not, uh, <laughs> you know, give until you're miserable and on the street. It's not correct, right? And so uh, uh, be careful that you don't let other things take uh, center stage in your life. And so when I talk about tithe, you know, I in a church, right, when someone's talking about tithe, what do you think? You think, oh, they need money, right? That's okay. But here on this stream, I want you guys to know I am proud to be 100% apostolic. There are no donate buttons. You couldn't donate or give me money if you wanted to. So, ha. I remember uh, I started my uh, nonprofit, a, one, a nonprofit a while ago, uh, and uh, I meet this uh, benevolent philanthropist, and he sits down and he says, oh, I want to give. How can I give to your, to, your, to your nonprofit? And I'm like, well, it's a nonprofit. You can't, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, I told him, you know, at this time, we're not accepting donations. And it was so awesome and so unique, such a unique moment because he was so enraged that I was not going to let him donate to uh, my nonprofit when it was still uh, organized a few years back now. Uh, it was just awesome because encountering that sort of generosity, it only comes from one place. It comes from God and God alone. When you look in these rich cities, right, uh, and they have traded their souls for finance, right, they walk, they walk, they're making 100, 200, half a million, several million dollars a year, and they walk past people on the street who are dying, right? Uh, and this is, would be another argument against absurd wealth in Christian families or Christian entities, right? You have $100 million as people are starving to death because you won't give as God has commanded you. People are dying because of you. So it's not a guilt trip, right? We're not going for the guilt Christianity, right? You shouldn't really feel guilty about much as Christians, right? Unless you're sinning, right? When you sin and you feel guilty about it, that's the sign that you're a good person, right? <laughs> when you sin and you don't feel guilty about it and you just do it carelessly, right? Well, that is a sign that you are whittling away at the foundation of your own soul. And once the foundation gives way, so too will everything else. And so understanding that it is generosity, a benevolent generosity, uh, a feeling of warmth, right? A feeling of abundant kindness, of abundant love. Like, hey, I love these people. I understand that the world is hard. I understand that sometimes people get caught up in extremely hazardous situations. Um, I understand that evil is out there, right? Not a sort of naive worldview, 
Oh, everybody got dealt the same equal hand. Oh, uh, everybody had the chance to work it out. It's such nonsense. It's, it's a really ignorant uh, lie, unfortunately. Uh, and if you stick your head out into the fields of a uh, 911 system, right, or uh, something like that, something where you get a chance to look at really the sort of worst parts of reality, you'll understand in about a, a week or two that uh, sometimes, you know, uh, for example, when I was uh, working as a paramedic, I, I was treating this uh, young 16, 17 year old who had been shot, right? And so, you know, out of his control situation, and there are many situations like that where darkness comes in and uh, edits or changes someone's life permanently. Now, God is powerful, right? And he protects his servants to a certain extent. That doesn't mean, right, uh, Christians are immune to bullets or Christians don't get, uh, Christians can't get killed or things like that. If you look in the Bible, there are uh, instances, wars, right? Uh, I'm thinking of the book of Maccabees, right, which is found in the Christian uh, Apocrypha. If you don't know, uh, the Catholic Church removed 14 books from the Bible in, uh, oh, I, I think it was around the 1600s. And so, you know, there were various reasons why these books were removed, right? But uh, Maccabees is about the wars of Jerusalem, not suggested reading. I'm not suggesting it, right? It is extremely graphic. It is extremely gory. And it's not something, if you like reading about war atrocities, right? That's what you're going to hear about in Maccabees. So I uh, would not suggest reading it, but it is important that you understand that that side of reality is out there, right? God did not uh, take mankind and say, oh, you can only go this this far with your free will and thus uh, taking away free will itself, right? If I say you can only go this far, right? Uh, well, I'll let you use your free will here, but here you'll be a slave. It's not really free will at all, right? So God wanted friendship. He wanted a community with us. He wanted us to have the option to choose God over the rest of the earth. And so that's what God gave us, right? We have been given the crown of creation. We've been handed free will itself out of God's love, right? And you can choose to use your free will for good, or you can choose to use it for evil, right? But uh, God's ways are the best ways to an abundant, happy life. Uh, they're, they're not always the easiest, right? They're, if you've ever heard, um, my yoke is uh, easy and my burden is light, it's actually my yoke is pleasant and my burden is light. Following God's ways are pleasant, but they're not easy, right? It's not easy to constantly uh, discipline ourselves and follow God's covenant and do uh, everything God asks. For example, you're in an, a state of emotional turmoil. You're going through hardships in your own life. You're down. <laughs> you're wounded, you know? And uh, lo and behold, right then, God says, oh, well, let's see if, let's see if he can keep his Christian uh, covenant right now. Because I have something I need him to do for me. And so God knocks on the person's door and says, hey, I need you to get your get it together. 
and I need you to go and I need you to preach to this person right now. They need you, right? And so this is going to be, uh, right, like a merit of selflessness where you lay down your own life, you take up your cross, and you do what God says, right? And so these merits that I'm always stressing, self-discipline, self-control, right? They are biblical merits, right? And understanding that cultivating them in your life will have a drastic benefit to your own life, right? God is not telling you to do something because it's going to be bad for you. No. So sometimes, right, you will be led into places of hardship, right? But again, right, it is pressure that makes diamonds. If you look at studies, right, the studies on cognitive development, right, how our brains develop, our brains develop the most when they are pushed into places of high stress. When you are pressing into the hard sciences, things that are extremely hard, extremely mentally demanding, hard for you to do, and you're just sticking with it. You say, I don't care how hard this gets. God's with me. I'm walking with God. God told me to do this. Now I'm going to follow it through to completion, right? And understanding that is exactly what God is all about, right? He wants to develop us, not, not uh, leave us in the state of ignorance, because the state of ignorance isn't really an enjoyable state. You speak and someone says, no, that's not correct. Let me show you. And suddenly you, maybe you feel a little foolish, right? Maybe you feel a little dumb, right? I'm not saying that we are dumb or when someone corrects you, you, you are dumb, right? We all, we all find ourselves in places of, uh, oops, I misspoke or, oh, I didn't know that. Totally fine. Totally normal. And getting to that uh, healthy mental state where you say, yeah, I'm humble. I don't know everything. You could sit here and talk to me all day about certain aspects of science or physics or, you know, a million different subjects that I have no clue about. And I'm happy to admit I have no clue about them, right? Uh, I believe in life that you should focus on a few subjects, right? Bible says maximum for Christians is seven subjects to focus on, something like that. I think that's still pretty high. I think it's closer to like one to three tops. You pick one to three things you want to pursue at any given time in your life. And, uh, you know, if you look at Warren Buffett, uh, extremely successful businessman, one of the richest men in the world, he says one thing. You pick one thing at a time. Focus on that and that only. So it's very interesting to see uh, different opinions and things like that. And when the Bible is talking about uh, maybe what I'm saying, it, uh, doing things right, it, it, it could be referencing investing, right? No more than seven things because you can't really keep your eye on too many things uh, with enough diligence and uh, time investment to really understand exactly what's happening with each of them, right? And so uh, staying very focused in life is very beneficial, right? And this is why it is important that we stay mindful of our Christian covenants. What would God want me to do today? What would God want me to do with my life? Because that's the direction you ought to be walking in. Doesn't mean you are walking in that direction. But if you're not willing to lay down your life, don't be surprised if you don't end up in a place of happiness and joy where 
God is happy with you. Let me let me elaborate there a little bit, right? God loves each and every person, right? He loves them as long as they're not doing completely evil things, right? Even when they're doing evil things, he still loves them and wants them to stop doing those evil things and come home, right? And getting to that point, that sort of uh, high-level, uh, abundant love, that welcome them home, welcome them in, forgive them, let the, let the water wash under the bridge, let them their sins be washed clean and out so that they can come home and be a new person in God. That's difficult sometimes when we're talking about egregious sins or uh, extreme sins. And so um, understanding this is what we're going for. We're not, as Christians, we're not really aiming for on level uh, with, with mankind uh, merits, right? Divine merits. We're trying to cultivate how God wants us to embody these merits, how God wants to, to pr us to practice these merits. So when mankind says, well, you know, three strikes, that's it, then they're out, right? Well, that's incorrect, not in uh, God's book, right? Depending on the sin, right? Now, if it's a crazy sin, like, yeah, they're stealing from me every time they come over. Well, obviously, right, you say, hey, uh, I wish you'd stop doing that. But since you will not stop doing that, I can't have you in my life, right? There is a... Uh, a point of separation in Christians. But the thing is, right, when uh, mankind starts to talk about, I get to choose when to separate them or you, you're giving mankind power. And power is something that corrupts over 50% of mankind, right? And so uh, understanding that we're not trying to take the power that God has given us and abuse it. We're not trying to, the goal for any Christian is not to get someone out. It's to bring them in and, and have them come home, come into the family of God. Does that make sense? Right? We're trying. The goal is what's best for that person in God's eyes. God does not want that person to be out alone where the devil can sift them and destroy them. Right? God wants us to function as a body of Christ, but a body works for itself. A body works towards glorifying God, towards uh, building, right? Towards growing itself, right? Towards uh, increasing itself, towards cultivating merits, towards cultivating love, right? And so be very careful to understand that while mankind thinks the line for uh, separation is is like, oh, they were rude. They were rude to the head priest. Oh, let's, let's throw them out. Oh, they, they, don't, uh, they don't worship the same way as we do. Let's get them out of here, right? Well, those are children of the devil. If you are uh, beginning to oppose people because they don't worship the same way you do, if you're beginning to oppose people for small things, right? They believe they're working for God, but their hearts are so far from God that it will cost them dearly. It will cost them their immortal light. It will cost them their souls. Because while they say and profess with their mouths that they are at home resonating with the Lord God of Israel, doing the will of the Father over their own will, while their mouths profess that, their hearts are far from God.
they have lost sight of the nature of God. They have lost sight of God's holy and divine will. And so because of this, unless they change themselves, right, they will be barred uh, from entrance into heaven. So understanding that Christianity involves taking a sincere look at ourselves first. We serve God first. We look at ourselves internally to root out all those uh, feelings of I'm quick to anger. I'm quick to abuse my power. I'm quick. Got to get all that junk out, all the bitterness, all the negative thoughts, all the hatred, all the I don't like uh, certain groups of people. Right. You stop looking at them as certain groups of people and start looking at them as people that the devil sunk his hands into and twisted them up and got them, he hurt them, he damaged them to a point where they didn't know what to do. So the sin warped them into some other shape. And yeah, right, it's natural when something is different to say, oh, I hate it. Oh, I don't like it. I'm scared of it. Something like that. But again, Christians are not aiming for the natural. Christians are aiming for the supernatural, the divine realms, right? Understanding that is very important. It's It's welcome them, love them, bring them home, try and heal them. But if they refuse to heal for too long, then you have to say, hey, here are your choices. What you have, what that, that thing that you have, that perversion, that hatred, that uh, quickness to just try and destroy other people's lives. It's not of the Lord. So you have two options. You can get rid of that and come home or you have to go. And there is separation, right? But it comes a lot further than most people like to deal with, than most people like to tolerate. But we're not tolerating it for ourselves. We're tolerating it and practicing it for God. It is said that my house will be a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. And so understanding, right, that God wants in his churches, healing, safe places where people can come and heal, where people can come and find community, where people on their last legs, the last legs can come and say, hey, you're welcome here, but we do have requirements, right? There are things you got to start working on and we want to see progress, right? Understanding that is important, but also understanding that you know, kingdoms aren't built overnight is extremely important because what some people have gone through is very difficult to understand for people who have not gone through those situations. So understanding that out of love, God wants us to display that divine love, that nature, that core, that foundation of being a healer of being an agent of the Lord God of Israel that has their heart where God's heart lies, that has their spirit where God's spirit lies. That is the road to heaven, right? Walking on God's ways, the narrow gate, the straight gate that leads out of death into life and life everlasting is the ways of God. As long as your life is walking upon those ways, your life is growing 
It is moving towards your dreams. It is staying rich in love, compassion, mercy, keeping all that negativity, all those thoughts that are dragging you down out. Stop thinking about what other people said and start thinking about what you yourself want your own life to look like after five years, after 10 years, and start setting goals to get from point A to point B. Not, not uh, I can't do it, but with God, all things are possible. I can do it. I will make it to my dreams. I'm going to keep going, right? And so this is what God is going for us, right? He wants us to understand his nature. God did not write a 1,300-page book in error, right? He wrote the Bible to show us and set a good good example of what he does, how he operates, who God is, and why he operates that way. Why God chooses to give so much mercy to the Israelites prior to sending them into times of wrath and turmoil. Why God chooses man, right? God chooses man time and time again in the Bible for a pure heart, willingness to do God's will over their own will, etc., etc. And so understanding this is extremely important so that we ourselves in our day-to-day lives can walk in the ways, the examples, and the realms of divine grace, the realms of divine mercy, the realms of divine love that God displays each and every page of the Bible, all throughout the Bible, however you want to say it, right? It is understanding, grasping that God is different than mankind, that he does not want us to operate in low, uh, petty, squabbling, battling manners where uh, you're spending your time thinking about some tit-for-tat argument that you had where next time you see the person, oh, you're going you're gonna to really get them. You're going to really tell them something. It's just wasting your own time when you could be building something marvelous in the eyes of the Lord God of Israel, when you could be building something incredible in your own life for God. So hallelujah for that. I hope you guys enjoyed the stream. I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up, guys. Around 30 minutes, right? uh, It is, uh, if there are any questions, if there are any comments, any Bible verses, any prayer requests, I would absolutely love to uh, uh, pray for you guys or absolutely anything, right? I'm here for God, uh, for you guys, just to try and, and help and get the focus back on who we ourselves are as Christians, right? It's not who that guy over there is as a Christian. It's not, is that person a true Christian or a a false Christian, right? Uh, It's who you are. Are you Christian? Is your spirit in alignment with the one true living God? And that's what the focus is, right? Your own relationship with God, working on yourself while we are practicing our covenants and helping others, right? So, hallelujah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Don't ever forget how much God loves each and every one of you. And while other people's opinions, right, of, of each of us, right, they sway like the wind. One day they love you, the next day they don't. Well, that's not how God sees you, right? God loves you so much. And, uh, 
his love is what has attracted 40% of the earth's population to Christianity and will keep attracting more and more and more until the whole earth praises the Lord God of Israel. So hallelujah for that. Hey, blessings on you all. Hope you guys enjoyed the stream and I'll see you all next time.